0: This is a podcast by The Straits Times and Money FM 89.3. It's time now to shine uh, the spotlight on China. We've got quite a bit to get through.
1: Indeed, from China and Taiwan's ongoing tensions to the country supposedly pressing the U.S. to eliminate tariffs and to China's plan to weaken private capital's influence over a wide range of media activities. Uh, to give us an analysis of those headlines, we're joined now by Dr. O. Oh a San, Senior Fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Good morning, Dr. O. Oh.
2: A very good morning to all of you.
1: Now, Dr. Oh, first of all, Taiwan's President Tsai Ing-wen came forward on Taiwan's National Day over the weekend to say that Taiwan will not bow to pressure from China, uh, this after China's President Xi Jinping vowed to fulfill reunification. In the latest development today, China's military has said that it has carried out beach landings and assault drills in the province directly across the sea from Taiwan, though, of course, it did not link the exercises to current tension with Taipei. But it does look like the relationship between these two nations is getting from bad to worse. What lengths do you think Presidency will go to to ensure that reunification will or can happen between the two nations?
2: Well, I think it's likely to continue as a combination of hard and soft uh, approaches, Right. You will see this sort of saber rattling ranging from the military drills you mentioned to, uh, for example, the encircling the, the Taiwan island with uh, jet fighters uh, on on the one hand. And then uh, on the other hand, of course, there will be uh, continued uh, diplomatic pressure on the Taiwan on the international stage, trying to snatch away some of those uh, countries uh, which uh, still recognize Taiwan and there are fewer and fewer of them and also for example providing incentives uh, for those uh, Taiwanese who would like to uh, establish uh, their career livelihood investment and so on in China so it's gonna continue to be this uh, plethora of uh, different tools to eventually in a sense uh, well, I think it's more than persuading it, it to eventually uh, sort of uh, force Taiwan to uh, reunify with mainland China on mainland China's uh, terms.
0: Mm. Uh, Dr. Oh, China also said on Saturday that it has pressed the United States to eliminate tariffs in talks between the country's top trade officials. So we're talking about U.S. uh, Trade Representative Catherine Tai and China's Vice Premier Liu. These virtual talks, now they're seen as a test of bilateral engagement between the world's biggest economies. At this point of time, uh, Dr. Oh, what's the likelihood of these tariffs being cancelled? I mean, they were put in place by the trump administration is this a pressure tactic by china is it a play nice tactic by china they are changing a little bit in the way that they are approaching the united states right
2: well i think it continues to be a very hard-line uh, approach uh, trying to uh, force uh, u.s uh, concessions uh, from the, for example mm. this sort of uh, trade uh, sanctions okay. uh, this sort of trade tariffs and so on because I think they perceive that uh, in recent days if not weeks, the United States uh, has become increasingly eager to uh, re-engage uh, with uh, China. Mm. This you saw for example from the release of uh, Meng Wanchou from uh, Canada back to uh, China the US dropping charges and so on I think the the, the US now in terms of trade, I think they are Trying to finesse a little bit uh, those uh, policies left over from the Trump administration such that in name, I think some of these trade uh, tariffs will still be in place. But uh, increasingly, I think you will see, for example, American importers being exempted from these tariffs. So, in effect, it will be sort of, well, some forms of cancellation of the tariffs, but, well, not in the names of cancellation. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dr. Oh, something else that has been making headlines for several months now is China's moves to weaken private capital's influence. Uh, Lately, recently, it unveiled a proposal to do this in regard to a wide range of media activities. According to a public consultation paper that was posted on the website of China's top economic planner, private capital would actually be barred from news gathering and distribution operations. Also off-limits private investments in the establishment and operation of news outlets. This of course includes news agencies, newspaper publishers and broadcasters. Uh, Let's talk about China's motivations for such a proposal. How will it really benefit the country? how might it impact the already stringent media scene in China?
2: Well, it's mainly to benefit the Communist Party's continued stranglehold on, of course, uh, information or the circulation and flow of uh, information primarily uh, especially those uh, which uh, comes into uh, china where well, the communist party of course would like to to impose only their kind of uh, information or their kind of uh, propaganda on its population so that the populations uh, would be uh, Well, more obedient to the rule of the communists. With uh, this sort of private investments, which has sort of sprung up over the last, shall we say, one and a half decades, the Communist Party will find it uh, increasingly hard to stem all this uh, unfavorable information, especially from overseas. So, of course, it would like to reassert uh, its uh, control over propaganda as well as the flow of information.
0: This podcast is available on our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us and rate us. And now, back to our podcast episode. We're on the line this morning with Dr. Oh A-san, senior fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Uh, here's an interesting one, Dr. Oh. So this is about trying to create a home away from home, and Mercedes-Benz is doubling down on bases in Beijing and Shanghai to stay ahead of regulations and consumer trends in the car market. Um, you know, and while we are seeing many foreign companies sort of prepare for a selective decoupling with China, um, my question is, why is, why is Mercedes-Benz still seeing China China as a country with opportunities I mean uh, what kind of expansion would this have in terms of influence over other MNC's to to stay put in China
2: well the plan fact is uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, is selling uh, well a lot of cars in uh, China Certainly more than, uh, from what I was told, the United States and Europe uh, combined in terms of the numbers of cars sold in uh, China. So as you said earlier... Uh, the Chinese customers, uh, increasingly, they're demanding, for example, karaoke systems <laughs> in, car, in the Mercedes cars and so on, right? Yeah. So, number one, it's uh, about uh, you know, uh, localization a uh, uh, customization of your right. products here in China. You need to do more market research. You need to roll out this uh, R&D, which are peculiar to the needs of Chinese customers, which are now... You know, like more than half your uh, customers, mm. but there are also, of course, the fact that nowadays, you know, there's a concentration of uh, various design and R&D talents in in China. So it's actually uh, easier to source for these uh, talents uh, in in China than, for example, some other places around the world, which are perhaps even more expensive. So it makes business sense. It might not make geopolitical sense for, uh, yeah, customers.
1: All right. I wonder what's next, yeah, on the horizon when it comes to changing customer tastes and what demands they'll make of car makers. Uh, in the meantime, though, uh, Dr. Oh, there are other issues that China seems to be entangled in. Malaysia has said it, it has summoned China's ambassador to protest against the presence and activities of Chinese vessels in KL's exclusive economic zone. This is in the South China Sea off the island of Borneo. And according to the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, Chinese vessels, including a survey boat were operating off the coasts of the Malaysian states of Sabah and Sarawak. The question is, why is this happening now? Why is China stepping up its activities in this area? And has China responded to Malaysia's claims adequately?
2: Well, I don't think it's uh, so much uh, China targeting Malaysia as uh, China trying to once again uh, uh, delineate uh, what it considers to be uh, it's a sphere of influence uh, as far as South China sees you saw for example, about a month ago this u uh, s uh, australia and u uh, k AUKUS uh, deal trying to uh, nuclearize uh, australia's uh, submarines but these submarines, for example, they could sail into uh, south china seas right so China I think nowadays they are they are very anxious. Uh, to uh, sort of uh, reassert uh, their sphere of influence, uh, in, in, as far as South China Sea is concerned, and Malaysia happens to be at the shall we say the southernmost ends of uh, South China Seas. So China, in a sense, is uh, shoring up its resources, uh, its uh, assets, as well as, as I say, its influence in the region to make its presence felt. And subtly also implying, for example, American and Australian vessels are no longer uh, welcome or tolerated, and so on. So it's larger than just Malaysia and China. And therefore, I don't think China is going to back down anytime soon in terms of these increasingly frequent uh, activities in what Malaysia considers to be its uh, waters.
0: We've been speaking with Dr. O. A. Sun, Senior Fellow at the Singapore Institute of International Affairs. Dr. O, appreciate your time this morning. Take care and stay safe. Thank you. You too. The Asian Insider Podcast channel is also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Like us
1: and rate us.